Welcome to the Boys of Summer. This is episode number 66. I'm Gene Gums and joined as always by my buddies Eric Braun and Paul Arnold. And uh, we are going to talk about a little bit of everything today. There's, we're reaching a point in the season, guys, where we are where we were last year, except the season was ending. We're getting to that 60-game uh, point. I guess I'm, uh, well, number one, uh, I th- I'm thinking on Monday I'm going to bake a cake just so we can celebrate going beyond 60 games this season. Nice. What kind of cake? Uh, uh, probably uh, carrot cake. Carrot cake, that's my favorite, too. Yeah, that's, call. That's, it's, I, I'm not sure if I like the cake more or the cream cheese frosting more. <laughs> it's, it's the best because it's not super sweet. It's just creamy and uh, yeah. delicious. You yeah, and it's healthy crazy. because of the carrots. You're crazy. Chocolate, double chocolate, no. triple chocolate. Got to have chocolate cake, that's, man, and ice cream. That's my, that's my wife. That's yeah. not me. I, my wife is the chocoholic here. So, all right. So let's, it, with that in mind that we're reaching the 60 games, we'll put the cake aside for now. Uh, do we, because pitchers now, for instance, Martin Perez pitched for the Red Sox today and he went, uh, seven and two thirds innings. He has already pitched more innings this year than he did all of last season. And people like on Twitter were losing their minds that they didn't leave him out there. Let him finish the game. His pitch count was low, but you know, the point that was made was you got to start saving some bullets for these guys because they're getting in territory they weren't in last year is that something that you think is valid or is this uh or are we making too much out of this i think we're probably making a little too much out of it but but you know probably you know cardinals fans would disagree um you know um and uh who else and washington fans would disagree and all these other teams that are starting to lose pitchers um uh and who was it uh I think uh, Arizona lost one of their starters this week. Well, um, Bum- Bumgarner went down. Yeah, Bumgarner. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Bumgarner. Uh, so, yeah. So, um, you know, I hope that's not the case. I tend to think that these guys have, you know, I, you know, the, those three guys have all been around a long time that went down. Um, but, uh, but I think that for the most part, I think they'll be okay. They're they're trained. They've been doing this for a long time. I think I think it'll be shouldn't be a big deal. Yeah, I, I I hope so. I was, you know, the internet's a wonderful thing. So I looked up the pitchers who led the majors for number of innings pitched. And uh, if you go back to 2019, Steven Strasburg pitched 209 innings. Um, and But Clayton Kershaw pitched 232 back in 2015. Adam Rainwright pitched 241 in 2013 and 233 in 2009. Um, compared to, you know, 10, 20 years before Roy Holiday pitched 266 back in 2003. Um, I think these pitchers can do it. Um, I'm hoping so. But in the other hand, we were talking before the podcast, just warming up for you listeners. We want to see the offense come back, but at the price of lousy pitching? I know that's the debate, right? Like if we have worse pitching coming up from the minor leagues, will the hitters start catching up to it better and is that a good trade-off for anybody? Well, after watching the Red Sox pitching staff last season, which was essentially a Triple A pitching staff, uh, I'm sure that uh, Major League Baseball would love that to happen. But yeah, I'm not. You know, it's funny. I'm not so concerned about the veteran guys, even though Eric, you brought up guys like you know Wainwright going down and and Strasburg. But but Strasburg's got a history of being injured. 
Uh, Bumgarner, not so much. But it's the young kids that I that I I kind of think about more because you know in this day and age when they bring kids up from the minor leagues they say well he pitched a hundred innings in the minor leagues last year so we don't want him to go above you know, 10 or 15% over that this year. And we've seen a lot of times where young kids have come up and even though they're in the middle of a pennant race, a team will shut them down so that they don't go over a certain percentage over their innings. Um, that's where I think, and I think that's where this thinking comes in. Uh, so I don't worry about the older guys as much, but the young guys that maybe have a little bit more adrenaline than some of the you know older guys that maybe they're just afraid they'll overthrow is, I mean, could that be it? Maybe, um, you know, and I, sh- I should point out, it's, it's Flaherty, not, um, uh, not Wayno that went. Oh, yeah, that's went right. Flaherty. The, right. Yeah. That's another soft tissue injury, which we've, we've talked about that, that those are the kind of the ones that we're worried about with, with a lot of these players coming back, right? Structurally, they're probably pretty strong, but I think, you know, coming back and trying to, um, after a shorter season and, you know, I, I think it's just a function of how a lot of these guys throw now, um, you know, just if they're throwing, they, all they do is try to throw strikeouts. I think that's probably more of a, a problem than uh, than the shorter season. And it's probably it's probably evenly split, right? They they threw less, so they've got less wear and tear, but they're also less uh, built. So some play, some I think it'll help some players and it'll hurt others. I'm wondering about how the pitching coach has changed over the years on the teams too, because it seems to me that. Being an old man like I am, the pitching coach used to be with the team for quite a while, knew the minor leagues all coming up, and it seems like they're changing pitching coaches quicker than they used to. Um, and so they're going to know these guys on paper, but do they know, know them as well as they used to? Um, and then overthrowing as a young pitcher makes total sense because you're trying to prove yourself. You're trying to get that big contract. Um, but my buddy, I have to mention him, every podcast, Greg Maddox, led the major leagues for five years in a row, the most innings pitched, and we know he was not hitting ninety all the time. No, that's true. You know, but and and I think with the the pitching coach thing, the role has changed because of analytics. Because everything is the nerds upstairs now are telling them, you know, how many innings guys should throw, and and it's like they're kind of. I almost feel like the pitching coaches and the managers as well are being micromanaged from upstairs to a degree. Um, so, well, you know, obviously, so whether it's a concern or not, we already know that offense is a problem. So to kind of play along with that, uh, one of the other things that happened this week is four minor league pitchers were suspended by major league baseball for having foreign substances, uh, on their, either their uniforms or their gloves or their hats. Uh, in an effort to try to increase their grip on the baseball. Spin rate has become the big thing. So now we find guys all the time. It used to be, remember it used to be the Vaseline ball? Yeah, now it's more like they want sticky stuff so that they get a better grip on the ball and they can spin it faster. So now they've suspended four guys in the minors, and then word just came out tonight that uh, Major League Baseball has contacted all 30 clubs and said we have a severe problem in major league baseball too they've already confiscated a bunch of uniform parts uh and they have found the same thing in major league baseball and they said punishment is coming uh is this the next big cheating scandal in major league baseball 
As a Houston uh, native or local, yes. <laughs> I will say yes. It's the next big uh, cheating scandal. The I mean, end. I guess the good news is it's it could be everybody and not just the Houston Astros. Right, right. right. Hopefully there's no Astros involved in this one. And then, you know, um, thinking people can look elsewhere as to where to be mad at. Yeah. That won't happen. So what are we actually talking about, Gene? I mean, I Googled it as well, and they really were – they kept on using the phrase use of foreign substances. So yeah, well, what, what does what that really mean? They're coming up. They're making these old their own homemade concoctions that usually involve like uh, suntan lotion, uh, rosin, uh, sometimes pine tar. They're using it, all different kinds of things. If, I don't know if you remember. There was a video of, from a couple of years ago. And I don't know if it was Yvonne Nova or somebody from the New York Yankees had this this streak, this dark streak on the side of his neck that he kept touching before he was throwing the baseball. And that seems to be what the problem is. It's becoming more and more common that it's that it's to get it's 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 a homemade sticky substance that they're making. So it's probably not the same for everybody. Hmm. So it's but not it, it's, it's not like the old stickum that NFL players no. used to use. <laughs> no, now, now there may be a piece of it that's that. I mean, who knows? I mean, it sounds like this is like a witch's brew that they're, you know, you know, making in the back room or something. But um, if you remember, Trevor Bauer, who won the Cy Young last year, made some disparaging comments about the Houston Astros. And, and, and I think he also might have included the Tampa Bay Rays. I can't remember. But he said it seemed awful funny that guys that went to those two organizations suddenly became much better pitchers hmm. and int- intimating that it wasn't because of who the pitching coach was. It was because they were cheating because there's, you know, with analytics now, they know what everybody's spin rate is. And all of a sudden somebody would go to those programs and their spin rate would increase by two or 300. And he was like, Hmm, funny how that happens. Yet now Trevor Bauer has either the highest or second highest spin rate in Major League Baseball, which makes me wonder if it was one of those, if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing. Well, he said last year that 70% of pitchers are cheating last year. Right. Wow. Well, and the other day he he said, you know, he said that they should not totally go in on testing all the uniforms and uh, baseballs <laughs> and all this other stuff of of players for material because it could be anything it could be you know like from too much pine tar on the bat it could be you know it, and it could be something from a uh from a shortstop who just happened to have you know who really wanted to up his spin rate apparently um <laughs> and uh um so he he suggested that you know they shouldn't hold pitchers accountable for for that so it, it sounds like oh. it could be a, some some conscience uh, coming back there, uh, perhaps. I mean, you know, and you wonder, and and if on top, so if you look at how many strikeouts we have in baseball now, and and uh, and by the way, the batting average actually went up a few points uh, in May, but the major major league baseball is still batting two thirty eight as a league. Mm-hmm. It's still absolutely uh, hideous. So it's gotten slightly better, but not enough to really uh, move the needle to you know uh, levels we haven't seen since Bob Gibson was pitching. So, and I, so I don't agree. I mean, I think if, if guys are cheating, 
You know, it's bad enough. The pitchers already have the advantage of the shift and everything else, right? Now you're going to give them the advantage of being able to cheat and get a better grip on the ball, too. That just, it seems like the baseball is being stacked in favor of the pitchers. But isn't this part of baseball's mythology or the way we, that's my big word of the day, by the way, that um, we like Gaylord Perry when he played the because he didn't know, you thought he was cheating, so you'd watch how he was cheating or the spitball or whatever. Um, do we like it a little bit that these players on edge trying to get an advantage of somebody else? Or are we, are we taking the line like, this is totally not the true baseball way? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good question. And it has, I mean, that's a thing, right? It's always been kind of part of baseball culture to, uh, to find little ways to cheat. Yeah, and obviously Gaylord Perry is like the um, <laughs> poster boy. The gold poster standard. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know. Uh, you know, the problem is, is of course now, you know, with uh, all the other factors added in, when you when you when the league wants to uh, up the offense, this is a really bad time to be using a foreign substance. When, uh, as Gene said, there's already all these advantages that that pitchers seem to have. Well, you know, the other part of it too is, you know, when you talk about Gaylord Perry and guys that might have been doing things to the baseball, it was a handful of guys. This, from the sound of it, and look, we don't know. This is just Ken Rosenthal who is looking to get, uh, you know, likes on his tweet. Uh, you know, we don't know exactly how bad it is, but the impression is is that this is league-wide and it's rampant. So this is far beyond Gaylord Perry and five or six other guys doctoring a baseball. This sounds like it could be much more widespread than that. Yeah, well, and... Uh Last year, I think uh, the Angels was it. Who was it? The, they fired um, a, a pitching coach or or somebody in the one of their coaches for because he concocted a go go juice, oh, yeah. Yeah. some uh, combination of of rosin and pine tar. Um, so yeah, so there's it's you know it's it's been brewing a lot, and uh, uh, you know I think that. It's especially with what's been going on in the minor leagues now. I think it's it's definitely coming to a head. And Ken Rosenthal has actually been on top of it for um, you know since last year. Mm. Um, and so you know, I think uh, he's made some suggestions on how to um, you know you know maybe control it. Um, and one of them, and I think it's actually a pretty good idea, is just you know every time a pitcher comes out, send the umpire out to inspect his arms and hat and stuff and sign up. You know. Hopefully that wouldn't have to happen forever, but for now, at least that would, you know, police it a little bit. Well, and if you remember just what, a, a couple of weeks ago it, with the Cardinals, uh, one yeah. of their players got thrown out of Giovanni Gallegos got, uh, had to switch hats. Remember? Cause right. the, the umpire came out and saw something on his hat. Mike Schilt, the manager came out, lost his mind, got ejected. Uh, and then later said that it was uh, he, and this was a quote, it's baseball's dirty little secret. So Mike Schultz basically telling you right there, this yep. is getting done everywhere. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I mean, uh, uniform inspections, really? Yeah. Bring back the knuckleballers, if you ask me. You know, don't use well, <laughs> foreign substance. I, I, is there any knuckleballers left like Tim Wheatfield used to be? That's a good I mean, question. I don't, think they, I don't think there is. Uh, I, I know I haven't. There might well, well, you know who was one, but he, uh, he didn't uh, get a job this year, was uh, Stephen... Uh, Stephen Wright from the Red Sox threw a knuckleball, but uh, he didn't get a job this year, I think, because of uh, he had some domestic violence issues. Speaking of that, uh, shifting gears, 
you know, I you know I don't want to you know, belabor this too much, but uh, you know the news broke last week about what happened with Marcelo Zuna, and you know I think it's it's one of those things, and and we've talked about this a lot. We have to be careful. Um, you know, who we idolize, right? I mean, if we have kids and grandchildren, we have to be careful, you know, who we have them set out as some great idol. Marcelo Zuna is this guy that everybody loved and the Braves fans were so thrilled to have him back. And then you find out, you know, this week that he got arrested and, you know, here we go again. And it just seems like, and it's not just Major League Baseball. It seems to be a problem across uh, all professional sports. And and, and I don't know whether... uh, you know, maybe it's just because these guys live in a fishbowl, but you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, I don't know. It made me sad, I guess is the way to put it. And I'm not even a Braves fan, but when, every time you read something like that, it makes me sad. Doesn't it you? Yeah. It's just sad across the board. Right. I mean, it's such a terrible situation. Um, and you know, you just, uh, I don't know. I, it's just awful. Right. I, you know, you, you feel bad for, of course, primarily, you know, the, the victims, um, but you also see, you know, these athletes who have everything and they're just, you know, what makes them do these things? You know, they see, cause you're right. They, a lot of them come off as likable and, uh, you know, and you set them up as heroes and, you know, man, it really makes you reassess how you, um, you know, judge somebody from, from afar. Well, and it goes back a long way too. I mean, Paul, Denny McLean. Yeah. Yeah. He had from your beloved Detroit Tigers. You know, I mean, quite a bit. Yeah. You know, so I think, I think one of the things that we have to remind ourselves is that, you know, we talk about the cheating going on and all that. That's one thing that happens, you know, trying to get a competitive edge. But we also have to remember that, you know what? These guys are just like us. They're just like everybody else. Nobody, just because you're a professional athlete doesn't make you some kind of special person other than some God-given ability, but it doesn't make you any different from your next-door neighbor. And I would argue that they're under so much pressure. And I think somebody, I'm not sure this is the case with Zuna, but if you didn't grow up with a lot of things and if you didn't grow up with good examples of how to have a a good marriage and you're under so much pressure, you know, the, the pressure can get to people and they act out in different ways. So, there's no doubt That's that we fair. can't just ignore this problem. But on the other hand, you know, what are the Braves going to do to help this guy, you know, rehab his life, basically? Because um, that was an ugly, ugly situation. And um, well, you know, and. But that's the thing, you know, the thing is, Paul, and, and, and that's you make a good point. What are the Braves going to do for him? And you know what my guess is? Absolutely nothing. You know, because we've seen instances like this before where guys have been arrested uh, for domestic violence and Major League Baseball is going to suspend him. There's no question about that. Um, You know, the question for the Braves are going to be, do you want him back? And we have seen circumstances where guys have just been, frankly, cut loose uh, by teams when they get involved in situations like this. So I'm not sure there is some great rush by teams to help these guys out. Yeah, I would yeah, hope well, I, they would do something. And and then the wife here in this situation, I mean, you go from having personal problems behind closed doors and then everybody knows your business. Uh, right. And, um, yeah, I, it would be so great if the Braves stepped up and says, we're providing them counseling, we're not going to rush them back, 
Uh, we're not even talking about any of uh, future arrangements until he has a chance. And I hope America is still a place that loves people have, who come back from bad situations, that we love to give second chances when we see people who are truly, honestly sorry and they work hard to make their life better. And then that's what I hope for him. Yeah, I think, you know, as a Chiefs fan, you know, we you have the Tyree Kill situation that's been right. really uh, – uh, it's it's hard to to get past, frankly. I mean, you know, you know, uh, we don't know all the details. We know his son ended up with a broken arm. We know him and his wife, um, you know, I think have had each other arrested, if I remember right. Um, but they couldn't get along at all, and it was just a, you know an awful situation. You know, that was you know it's been a, a few years now, and he's been on this you know. As far as we know, he's been on the straight and narrow, and uh, you know, it could just be that that was just a toxic relationship. We don't know, and maybe they got him counseling, but you know, they have you know ridden with him. And you know, the thing is, is that if he was a less talented football player, they probably would have cut him loose, yeah. cut him. Yeah, yep. but um, just you know, with that kind of rare talent, they you know they're a little more motivated to uh, to make something happen, which is exactly the wrong way that they should be doing this because they have a lot of young men coming through these organizations that they could help and teach how to have uh, good relationships with women and their children um, and, you know, um, just function in society. I mean, imagine being a guy like Tyreek or these other young, um, you know, young guys who, um, you know, may come from, uh, like Paul was saying, you know, a background that's, you know, not, not wealthy. And all of a sudden, they have you know more money than they've ever seen, but also the stress. You know, they all need some sort of counseling and help. And you know, I don't. You know, their agents are probably helping in that in some way, but they're mostly concerned about money. And right. It just seems like there should be some sort of a much more involved uh, program to to help these guys function in society. Yeah, and I think there was a piece, by the way, you know, not to, I don't want to, you know, bring everybody down, but I think there was a piece with this Ozuna thing that, that this is a difficult relationship because I think at one time his wife was actually arrested for attacking him. So I think there is some kind of uh, toxic relationship going on there, and it may be one of those things that, you know, they need to get, they both need to admit they either need counseling or they need to get out of the relationship. But, you know, I think the money makes that difficult. Yeah, and the, it really does. In the old days, I would hope to think that another player on the team who was a leader in the clubhouse would help a younger player in a situation like this. I remember in the Tigers, Miguel Cabrera was having some wild times, and uh, Victor Martinez was brought in, and he was you know playing first base sometimes, yep. mostly DH, and he was another Hispanic who was there as such a leader. Uh, and he really calmed down Miguel. Um, you could just tell that he was because um, Victor had a solid marriage, solid family life, brought his kids to the park, and that was such a example in the clubhouse where the manager didn't have to do it. And I would hope we have more of those, or even Atlanta would have somebody like that who's already friends with him and in to say, "Hey, let me help you with do this." Yeah, it'd be nice. I mean, you know, but Ozuna's not exactly a kid either. I mean, he's thirty years old. He's been in the league for nine years, you know. So he's one of the guys that you would actually like to have step up. Yeah. Uh, you know. So, but but I'm with you, Paul. I mean, I I I believe in second chances, and I think that, and I hope that 
this is, uh, you know, they, they get whatever help they need, but it is certainly not the distraction. The Braves are already struggling this year, and they don't need that kind of distraction, that's for sure. Uh, so, all right, let's move on to happier subjects. Uh, and uh, this is Food? a... No. <laughs> no. Cake. 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 Yeah. Chocolate cake? Uh, Ice cream? I want to ask you guys about who you think the face of baseball is or should be or any of that. I mean, here's why I bring this up. Fernando Tatis signs that huge contract. All anybody wants to talk about is Fernando Tatis, right? Of course, he got hurt again this week, which is really great. Um, Vlad Jr., another one that's being talked about a lot. Um, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. with, uh, with Atlanta. I am convinced that Major League Baseball has decided that he is a baseball because I swear to God, he could strike out four times and would still be the lead story on the MLB uh, website. Uh, Juan Soto, another guy in Washington. And then, of course, you, you still have Mike Trout out there, uh, who's still relatively young, even though he's been around for quite a while. He's not that old. But, but so who is going to be the torchbearer for baseball? Mike Trout has been that guy, right? I mean, the problem is he never gets to the playoffs. So who, who is going to be that torchbearer? Man, it really, it depends so much on getting, you know, you got to be in a big market that helps. Um, and your team has to be successful and you have to put up numbers. Right. So, I mean, to me, that kind of leads me to think that it's, uh, and because it just seems like he's the face of baseball right now is, is Tatis and he's got a great story. He's likable. His numbers are great when he's actually playing. Um, so yeah, that's that's who I I think I would still lean towards. Although it seems like Mookie Betts should get more love yeah. um, than than he does. Uh, but it's almost yeah, like that's... it's almost like Mookie's looked at as like an old guy now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really feels like that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd say like the next up and coming guy has. Got, I think it's got to be Tatis. Well, I think Tatis is a good pick. Juan Soto was you know promoted a lot over the. Uh, off season for a lot of good reasons. Such a great hitter, a, a guy that always looks like he's smiling, having a good time. Seems like he has a blast. Yeah, yeah and I think people like that. But I agree that either you have to be a major market or you have to have an outstanding uh, season where they show a lot of highlights on the you know the clips. Um, the other part I wonder sometimes is that are we still stuck in America that to be the face of baseball? Not only do you have to play well, but you have to communicate and be funny and almost be like a performer because Mike Trout is not a performer. He does not enjoy no. the spotlight. So he has sort of shied away from being the face of baseball. Uh, Juan Soto, I think, may have more of that personality. Um, but, you know, sometimes do we think he has the uh, ability to pull it off and go to the Tonight Show or. Uh, do things like that to to be the face of baseball and to, for kids to be excited about. I remember when Bryce Harper was coming up, and he, everybody was promoting him as the future of baseball because he was, you know, big swing, had the makeup or whatever they call it, the black the eyeshadow all the way down his face, and you know, but you know, he sort of self destructed <laughs> on himself. I, I don't know besides those guys who you would pick. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know either. I mean, I, I think, I think Tatis is, uh, I think one of the reasons why Tatis might be the guy is because Major League Baseball desperately needs young people. 
to come to the game. And what Tatis has that none of these other guys have, in my opinion, with the exception maybe of Acuna, is style. That he likes, he's flashy. He likes the bat flip. He likes to celebrate when he hits home runs. And he and Acuna, to me, I think are the two youngest guys that have the most uh, flair and something that young kids would gravitate to. Am I wrong? No, I think you're right. You're right, you know, Gene. I mean, you're always right. Uh, oh, thank you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the oh, guy, too early you know, for the that, guy, Gene. The, the guy I would like to see, I'd be honest with you, but the problem is he's, he's not in the major market. And that's Vlad Jr. I think playing yeah. in that Toronto market's not going to help him. But, boy, I'll tell you what. He took off, what, 30 or 40 pounds in the offseason. Did you see what he did a couple of nights ago? He, had, he went four for four in the game. He did it on seven pitches. Nice. Seven Good pitches, night. he went four for four. Yeah, I mean, That's incredible. He, I, he's hitting right now. He's the leader in the clubhouse, perhaps, for MVP. He's hitting like 338 or some ridiculous number like that uh, and just tearing the cover off the ball. And he likes to have so, fun, too. I noticed when he talks to yeah, and people he does. at first base. He's another one. Yeah, and he's another one that always seems to be smiling. And, you know, for I don't know about you, I'd, I'd play the game for free. So right. Anytime I see guys smiling, like guys like Lindor and, and, and you know, guys in Tatis that they seem to be having a good time, that's my kind of player. You know, I hate these guys that, that, that look at the game like a job. Yeah, it's hard to. I, I mean, mean, I know it they is. They play a, a lot of games. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, but I would still expect, you know, to have a certain amount of joy, you know. So yeah. that's why that's why I don't care about the bat flips and that kind of stuff. It's like just have fun, enjoy right. the games, right? Right, right. All right. So we are getting to. I mean, we still have a month to the All Star break, but we're getting to the point in the season where teams are going to start looking at where they're at. Now, the good news, I guess, uh, for a lot of teams is there's a lot of mediocrity this year. We don't have teams. Uh, seriously separating themselves with the exception of five or six teams, everybody's still in it, right? So my question to you is for those teams that are kind of on that bubble, who, let me ask you, for instance, here's a team that's on the bubble. You ready? You ready, Paul? Yep. Ready. (laughs) The Detroit Tigers are on the bubble. And here's why I say that they're 10 games out, right? Mm -hmm. But they're still ahead of the Minnesota twins for goodness sake. Um, they are a team that, you know, they went on a good run this week. They swept the New York Yankees. They became my favorite team for a week. Uh, you know, but they're a team that's 10 games out. They're a team that needs a lot. Are they at a point where they might say, Hey, you know, we might have a couple of pieces that other people might want. Is it time to start selling? Yeah. There's talk already that they might get rid of Matthew Boyd. that's what I was thinking. Yeah, two two names that jumped to mind. Boyd was one of them, and 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 uh, Fulmer was the other one. Oh, please those take Fulmer, that, please, please, somebody take. But Fulmer. those are guys. But those are guys. I think that they could get something for. Do you think that's a? a do you think the Tigers are ready to sell? Definitely Fulmer because he had a great rookie year and he's never recovered it, and he still looks a little shaky. Um, I would think, wow, that would be great. And he's still pretty inexpensive as far as um, a pitcher. He's making $3 million this year. So I think they're ready to let him go. And the Boyd, I think they like a lot better. Um, but yep. thankfully, the younger pitchers are starting to deliver. And A.J. Hinch is doing a great job. 
I can see why yeah, he, he really did is. so well at Astros. His press conferences are right on the mark. He's telling these guys he's you know to believe in themselves. It's a long season. Yeah, so I think the Tigers really are not on the bubble. I think they got to just keep on setting themselves up for future years. Eric, your Kansas City Royals, yes. five five games back, a game over five hundred. Are they buyers? No, no, they're not buyers, and and I can see them. Like I think Mike Miner is going to make somebody happy come unless unless things really turn around. Um, I, there's a couple of players that they've, I think they've won. They've won three in a row. Um, Se- seven right. of t- seven of their last ten. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, Benintendi starting to hit a little bit. I mean, the, it's the Cleveland Indians are only two and a half games ahead of them. I mean, couldn't could you see the Royals as a potential playoff team? Um, I I think there's still that chance. Um, but so that's, that's why I say I really yeah. So if there's a chance, is Mike Miner going anywhere? Um, I no. If they're if they're still in the thick of things, you know, by you know after the All Star break. Then all bets are off, right? But I, you know, I just being sort of realistic, and then, of course, the eternally pessimistic Kansas City <laughs> Royals fan. You know, I just think when you look at the at the Royals, what they do is, you know, they they know they need to kind of build their team. They've got a lot of of I mean, the farm system is kind of stacked right now, but you know, they're they're always one piece away yep. from right. And if, so, if they can get a good deal for uh, for Mike Miner who's, you know, he's been around a while. Um, you know, I, I could see them, you know, letting, letting him go because, you know, I, it's, it's very unlikely that we're, we're going to make a playoff run, but who knows, you know, I, I would be, I would love to be pleasantly surprised by that. All right, let's stay in that division. And this is the one, this is the team that I guess if you had to pick out a most disappointing team in major league baseball this year, the Minnesota twins would be it. They are 11 games under 500. They are 11 games back of the Chicago White Sox. I think they have a better chance of being struck by lightning than catching the White Sox. <laughs> or bit by a shark. So my, now, the Minnesota, yeah, the Minnesota Twins have a lot of pieces that teams could want. But are, do you think that it's too early to start shopping guys like Cruz? Maybe Donaldson. You know, I mean, when do the Minnesota Twins pull the plug? Boy, that's that's a really good question because, I mean, they do. I mean, they have the talent on that team. Um, I would think they would change managers before. Have they already changed? No, they haven't yet. No, Rocco's still there. Yeah, uh, I think they'll change managers before they start doing uh, selling a lot of players off. Um, Maybe. Maybe they lose Donaldson just because he's uh, getting towards the end of his career and he's been terrible, um, and, and I think he's he's also playing injured a little bit too. Um, but uh, man, it's I know I I would I would think that they would the, you know, at least the core together for for a good long time. They're they're a good team. They're going to come back, but um, boy, this is this is disastrous start for for those guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, can you think of a bitter, a, a bigger disappointment in baseball right now? I mean, I, I, I don't think I can. Well, Washington's having a tough go of it. Well, yeah, they are, but you know, again, it, they're still only six and a half back. They're in last yeah. place in the NL East, and they're six and a half back. Uh, you know, I guess maybe 
Um, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I guess that would probably be the the only the Atlanta Braves. I guess you could say are a disappointment, but they're only two games under five hundred. But the NL East has just been uh, awful. Yeah. Uh, so I asked. So then now you bring up the Washington Nationals, seven games back, uh, seven games under five hundred. They've lost seven of ten. Strasburg is hurt again. Yep. I mean, are the Nationals going to? just ride this out or are they going to be stubborn and hang on to everybody or is it time to blow things up in Washington and try again? I think they've got to blow things up. I think Max Scherzer uh, uh, is going to end up somewhere be- else before the end of the year. Do uh, you really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it would not surprise me if he ends up with the Cardinals. Oh. I think you're trying wow. to especially, talk that especially into player being, I think you said it last week, didn't you? <laughs> I, I I know I know I keep I, I do keep. If you say it enough times, that, I think, you know. I mean, yeah, he's a Missouri guy. I want him to be playing in Missouri, but um, but I'd prefer it if he's with the with the Royals, not the Cardinals. Um, but the Cardinals have the money to uh to pay him. So, yeah, especially if Flaherty's injury is going to last really long, because um, yeah. they've they're you know the Cardinals are they've got money and. They, you know, they've got talent, the talent to, to win that division. They just dropped back behind the Cubs this week. But um, uh, I think the Cubs are just uh, streaking a little bit right now. And I think the Cardinals will come back. But, um, yeah, that's that's my feeling on it. But who knows? I might be wishing, <laughs> as Paul says. Well, Why um, I would wish gun good things for the Cardinals, yeah. I don't know. But here I am. I agree with well, what you're saying earlier about the manager. Um, if you're the twins and you have all this talent, it's easier to fire the manager and give all those players the motivation to say, it was the manager all along. I'm really a better player than this. Uh, and see if that works first. I think that's the way to go. And uh, You don't agree? Uh, I Gina? think Rocco Baldelli. Well, I think Rocco Baldelli. Didn't he finish in the top three of for manager of the year last year <laughs> in the American League? You know, so he, what did he go from being a genius to a dope overnight? I mean, that's, that's the problem here, but I, I think it's more, you can't fire the players. That's the problem, right? right. You know, he, Josh Donaldson is hitting, you know, two thirty, but you can't fire him because, well, you can, but you still owe him an awful lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, be, uh, before we move on to, and we're getting up against time here, I got one more uh, question about buyers and sellers. And this one, this is a tough one. The San Francisco Giants right now sit in first place in the National League West. They're 13 games over 500. So if the Minnesota Twins are the biggest disappointment, the San Francisco Giants have to be the biggest surprise. If you're the Giants now, you're almost 60 games into this. Do they, do they really believe that they can hang with the Padres and the Dodgers the rest of the season? And if they do, does that mean they have to go out and try to get some more pieces for this team? Yeah. I mean, they, they, uh, they're playing very well and I, it's I unbelievable. Mean, there's no reason to, yeah. There's no reason to think that they're not for real at this point. I mean, 34 and 21 is their record and yeah. I mean, they're killing it and yeah. You know, will they win the NL West? I still have my doubts about that, but they're, you know, they're going to be in the mix in October. You got to think if they keep playing like this, that they'll at least get a wild, um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, man, I'd 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 be buyers. Who knows how long this is going to last? I mean, they've got young talent that's coming, you know, uh, coming to life a little early on them. And hey, ride that wave, man. 
Well, you know, I know that uh, there's a lot of talk in Boston about what the Red Sox are going to do. I mean, you know, when nobody's feeling sorry for the Red Sox, they're in second place, two games behind the Rays, but the Red Sox are not hitting at all. Uh, they have uh, Sander Bogart's finally today broken 0 for 21. Uh, I think Bobby Dalbeck is 0 for his last, or no, uh, Kike Hernandez is 0 for his last 24. Uh, they've got like four spots in that lineup where nobody is hitting. So people are like, well, you know, should they go out and buy? The question is, if they buy, where are they going to go? I mean, I don't know how many teams are out there that are going to sell, that are going to have hitters to sell, you know, uh, that aren't going to cost you an arm and a leg. You know, I just don't think with the mediocrity, there are there's a lot of markets to actually go to right now. Right. That's the challenge, right? There's because if everybody is, if everybody thinks their dream, you know, that they're in, they're playing for, for October, that really shrinks the market. So you really want to be Max Scherzer, <laughs> yeah. my example is in that well, case, because or you know, uh, and I think well, I, and I think for hitters, there's two te- there's two teams I look at that if you want a hitter, the the phone calls you need to make are to Minnesota, yep, or to Texas, because I think Joey Gallo could be a guy that a lot of teams would love to get on their team. Now I yeah. don't know. I don't know if they'd be willing to move Gallo. He's pretty popular down there. You would know better than I do living down there. But uh, I mean, I don't know if the Rangers would consider that. But that's a guy that I think would be on a lot of people's wish list. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I think there might be you know some calls made to to Cincinnati too. Um, you know, they've they've got some talent there. They're kind of they've they've been up and down a little bit, but it just it doesn't feel like that they're really um, going to be strong this year, especially in – go ahead. Well, they could probably get a lock from Nick Castellanos. Exactly, yeah. So I think they've got they've got some some talent that they could turn. Paul, um, I, uh, I want to finish off the show since you and I are the two oldest here. <laughs> this, is, this is going to be – this is going to be the old man's section of the show. Mm. Wait a second, and, I can uh, put on my Ben gonna... Gay for a second. Ugh. All right, all right, go ahead. <laughs> the the old man section of the show is and this is to remember uh, a guy who passed away this week. Uh, Mike Marshall died uh, a couple of days ago. He was 78 years old. Now, I remember Paul earlier you were talking about Roy Holiday throwing what 260 innings a few years ago. Uh, you know, guys throwing 200 innings. Uh, Mike Marshall I, I'll never forget. I mean, I watched him growing up. He seemed like he pitched in every game I watched. Uh, this is a guy that was the first reliever to win the Cy Young. In 1974, pitching for the Los Angeles Dodgers, he appeared in 106 games. Wow. Think about that. That Just means incredible. there were only 56 games all year he did not pitch in. <laughs> He threw 208 innings all in relief. He once pitched in 13 straight games. <laughs> we, they, they, today, what, you know, if a guy pitches two days in a row, you think the world is going to end. He pitched in 13 straight days. You know, I mean, this is, you know, this is back when men were men and so were the women. <laughs> Uh, that doesn't man. sound like a pretty picture. <laughs> that's amazing. To me. I'm sorry, but yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. I that's just it's hard to imagine something like that happening now, right? I mean, if somebody pitches three days in a row, it's just 
um, you know, it's where he's, he's going to be shut down for two days right now. Right. So, right. um, yeah, he so went, it's just incredible. He went 15 and 12 that year out of the bullpen, 15 and 12 Holy with, cow. An, with an ERA of 2.42 pitching that many innings. That that's, is that's absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I think now what if a guy pitches 60 innings in relief, he's a workhorse. Yeah. Who was the guy that used to pitch for the Minnesota Twins? Uh, that used to pitch. It, it seemed like he used to pitch. Was it, was it the Twins or was it the Tigers? Eddie Gordado. They used to call him Everyday Eddie. It might have been the Twins. The twins. I yeah. The yeah, I think it was the Twins. But we just, I don't, you know, we talk about guys like Cy Young that, you know, were pitching every other day and, you know, had 500 complete games or whatever the hell it was. But we are never going to see the likes of Mike Marshall again, are we? Well, Mike Marshall so. came from Adrian, Michigan, which is about uh, oh, really? 30 miles oh, south he, where I live. He was a Michigan guy, he really? He was a Michigan guy. And his, one of his famous quotes, with, and it was with uh, about Walter Alston, the manager of the Dodgers. He said, I had a deal with Walter Alston. If I was warmed up, I was getting into the game. <laughs> so <laughs> how nice would that be as a manager to know that this guy was just a, a, a mutter, a tough guy, you know, just give me the ball and let me throw it. Don't get in my way. And he had the lamb chop um, sideburns too, you know, that went yes. way down and pointed in to get him looking a little tougher. Um, kind of like the uh, goose gossage look. Yeah, yeah. So you got to have a little intimidation going on there. So... And he was a righty. I mean, sometimes we think, oh, you got to be have be really tall or be a lefty to be a good reliever. But he was a righty with stuff, and that's the only way he stuck around all those years. Did you know he actually started his career with the Detroit Tigers? I do, because his I just looked year, it up 19... on BaseballStats.com or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> 1967, he pitched for the Detroit Tigers. And uh, then they sent him back down to the minors, and he ended up going to the Seattle Pilots after that. Oh, purgatory, uh, the, man, uh, purgatory. <laughs> went there for a year and then went to, uh, to Houston back in uh, 1970. And then after that, it was Montreal and the Dodgers. And then he finished up his career with the, uh, uh, with the Minnesota Twins. But, I mean, just amazing. Think about this. His career back in 1979, he still threw in 90 games. He threw 90 games twice in his career and 100 games once. Just absolutely ridiculous. All right, so I know the guy just passed, and we don't want to talk ill of the dead, but um, I wonder (laughs) if he used any stuff once in a while on the ball. Um, One manager said that Marshall had the best screwball I've ever seen in my life. And I have to be honest, what is a screwball again? How do you grip the ball to get a screwball? It it breaks. It's actually you break your wrist in the opposite direction of a curveball. The ball breaks opposite of a curveball. So if a curveball from a righty would break down and away from a right-hander, yeah. a screwball breaks down and in to a right-hander. Doesn't that mess up your wrist or something? Uh, well, not if you do it right, I guess. Uh, you know who the most uh, the, the most famous screwball pitcher in recent memory that I can think of other than Mike Marshall? Uh, he was a lefty for the Dodgers, Fernando Valenzuela. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Nice. His, his, his number one pitch was the screwball. Wow. So Fernando and Mike Marshall were the two guys when I was growing up were uh, were guys that that screwed up. You don't see anybody throw a screwball. And you don't anymore. hear anybody being called a screwball anymore either, do you? <laughs> um, screw up, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, guys, that's going to do it for us here in episode sixty-six, and uh, we we're kind of all over the place tonight. But thanks for hanging in there with us. We'll be back in two weeks with another edition 
of the Boys of Summer. Thanks for joining us. Have a good one.